The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. 2.30 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. We've been talking about, uh, you know, the upcoming uh, civic election. October 16th, we'll, we'll uh, cast our ballots. Yeah, and you know, somebody had texted and said, you know, kudos to Andrew for knowing who his candidates are, but it wasn't as easy as it sounds. You can Google, in my case, Ward 9. So Edmonton Ward 9 candidates. There's a lot of different sites that'll list them for you. From there, though, you have to start searching out their actual websites or Facebook pages. And I'm surprised sometimes in any ward, not just Ward 9, where a candidate doesn't have a website or a Facebook page. Well, they're not necessarily all that serious about it, I think. Yeah, and then you wonder, well, what what are you doing? Why would anyone vote for you if we don't know anything that you stand for? Um, And even then, when you go to, you find everybody who has a page and you read their platform, some are extensive. It's, you know, light a smoke and pour a coffee. This is going to take a while. Others are very uh, sort of just, uh, you know, glitzy. A lot of catchphrases and pictures. Um, I, I'm interested in two things when I, see it, when I look at a candidate. Specifically, especially, I should say, for city council. One is what their vision is. Is it achievable, mm-hmm. obtainable? Is it realistic? And the other is what's your background? And I will say now that I lean towards those, honestly, who have served in a community association because I feel as though, and, and of course who live in the ward, but I, I feel as though if you haven't been involved in your community to this point, yeah. right, I, I don't know that that's an, a good leap to suddenly represent the whole community. There's lots of great information on 630ched.com about the candidates on uh, the Global News website, Global Edmonton's website as well. Edmonton Journal is also doing a fine job in yes. putting together a list of all the candidates, the issues in certain wards with links to the websites, to the candidates' websites if they do have one. I was just going through that for for my uh, for my um, ward. I was like, oh, okay. And I was actually really pleasantly surprised to see that I think it was, uh, there's more women running in my yeah, ward there's a ton, yeah. than, uh, than men. And again, I don't, I don't care if you're male or female. I just want the best, uh, best candidate for, uh, for the ward. But yeah, you, you can break it down and read it all and see, see what's there and what's not there. Again, one of my biggest ones is that you live in the darn ward. Sure. And, and I've you, seen a couple. I don't think that they live there. They don't. Uh, there's uh, more than a couple. Um, and you mentioned the two minute to win it. Yeah. I like that as a not as an you know all inclusive i'm no. going to you know cast my vote based on these 2 minutes but i do like those because it's sort of an appetizer you kind of go okay i want to learn more about that idea and, and if i'm being honest why wouldn't i be you also kind of eliminate the nuts a little bit you know <laughs> <laughs> right the ones who go well i'm going to put a spaceship on everyone's lawn okay well let's not bother <laughs> spending a lot of time yeah. researching that guy that kind of thing. And there's always a few, right? There's always a few that you're just, I don't know why you ran. Oh, yeah. Well, that's every, that's every election, yeah. though. That's that's every flipping election. Come yeah. on, let's be real about it. Is crime a big issue for you where you live? Um, the Journal had put out, uh, had crunched some numbers today saying that uh, Edmonton has Canada's highest big city homicide rate. Um 
three quarters of the way through 2017 based on statistics and media reports from Canada's largest cities. Um, they say that the city had a rate of 4.28 homicides per 100,000 people. That's the highest of Canada's big cities. With 21 homicides, Winnipeg came in second with 2.9 per 100,000. Yeah, now our worst year ever for homicides was 2011 mm. when 48 people were slain. And I know that and maybe I'm naive here. I'm curious what our listeners think as well. I often hear about um, a murder, mm-hmm. and the, the the story will go on to say that they were known to police mm-hmm. or that they had gang affiliation mm-hmm. or that they knew each other, mm-hmm. um, spouses or, you know, siblings. And, and I, I guess maybe I just want to believe, I take solace in the fact that you could, if you eliminated all the crime-related, drug deal gone bad. What would the number be? Yeah, then what would the number be? Because as of, although, you know, again, every city struggles from with the same things, and yet we're the highest, but I, I, I do I feel safe? Yeah. I feel completely safe. Yeah, I... <laughs> You know what, I've lived in cities kind of all across the country that have had this claim that they've had the highest murder rate per capita. I've lived in Thunder Bay. I lived in Regina. I've lived in Edmonton. At no time have I felt... Uh, in in danger, or am, am I worried um, uh, about random gunfire or something like that? I think that police and most people who are like, crime experts would say these people know each other, um, that there's a connection there, that they're, that they're leaving that they're leading high risk lifestyles to begin with. Right. And again, I'm not saying that to, doesn't justify anything, but I think for the average Edmontonian, I'm not sure that. It's something um, that is registering really high on their list that they're really, really worried about. Yeah. I think for the average Edmontonian. When it comes to crime, the only thing I really focus on is response time of police. So not just murders, but crime in general, response time by police. Um, I look at that. But if you want to put it in perspective, and again, we live in Canada, which is another factor. Mm-hmm. So you kind of feel like, I know the country's changing. It's not what it was 20 years ago, but it's still... Canada in general feels far safer than the United States, for example. And I I would back that up with this statistic. Chicago, which is roughly the same size as Toronto, uh, it had its 500th Mm -hmm. homicide last week. Mm -hmm. 500th. So that uh, is 18.48 homicides per 100,000 people. So, you know, do I feel safe in the States? No. Mm. I, you know, when I'm in, when I'm in the, the states I go to, you know, I go to New Orleans, I go to, or the cities I go to, New Orleans, I go to Las Vegas, occasionally find myself in Miami or Fort Lauderdale if I'm taking a cruise or whatever. I stick to the touristy areas. I don't wander far. Los Angeles is another one where I stick to the more touristy areas, um, and I avoid those that I, you know, like Hollywood is not a safe area. I know it's, everyone thinks it's a glamorous place. It's not. But I sort of, you know, I, I stick... Mm-hmm. close to where I feel safe, where there's a lot of people. In Canada, I don't really feel that way. I, I can't, and I'm in every city and town at one point or another during the course of doing comedy. So I, I, I can't think of a time. I guess, you know, maybe the only time I feel unsafe is when I put myself in harm's way, like being in some northern BC town and going to the roughest bar there is or, yeah. you know, something like that. I think, it. you know, in this city, it depends on 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 
in some occasions where you're living and what kind of lifestyle you are leading. I think that the the random gunfire or that a targeted attack, you know, some of those those ones that come to mind, uh, doesn't happen very often. I think most of us, when it comes to crime, would probably be more, be more more worried about break and enters. Number one, sure. Yeah. Number two, your car getting um, broken into because I know a lot of you have had that happen to you. Um, you know, every once in a while, you'll see the signs pop up in your neighborhood that says there's been a rash of, of thefts from cars. Please make sure you lock up yep. or don't leave anything in, in your vehicles. And I appreciate that. But then that kind of puts me on edge just a little bit. You you watch the EPS Twitter account, and we talked about this the other night. What is it? They, they say around 9 o'clock every night you should go out, do take a look Do your 9 o'clock check, yeah. Do your 9 o'clock check. And I don't suspect that a lot of folks do that. No, I don't suppose that they do. We do. When we go turn on the porch light, we do the uh, lock the front door, lock the back door, and uh, use the fob mm-hmm. to make sure the cars are mm-hmm. locked. I don't know that we do it at nine. We do it, like I say, whenever it starts getting dark. But yeah, I don't. Am I worried about crime in Edmonton? No. Should I be? Maybe I'm being naive. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just live in a peaceful neighborhood. I don't know. But I wouldn't. You know, this started with a conversation about candidates. If there was a candidate who said, "I'm going to crack down on crime." I, I feel like, and I don't know that there is, but I feel like they might be missing the boat a little bit. I think that there's a, you know, there's a number of candidates out there that would say they'd like to see more police officers um, mm, sure. as a part of the EPS. I would probably agree with that. Again, where's the funding going to come from? If you want to look at lowering taxes, uh, but you want to increase the number of police officers, firefighters, new whatever, you. you, you there's got to be a balance somehow. Yeah, and see, even that one, that's a really interesting example that you picked right there because most people, I think, would agree, and I, again, I could be wrong, that if you were to make the statement, I would like to increase the number of police officers mm-hmm. in Edmonton, probably the majority of people would say, yes, I agree with that. But the next logical question is, uh, doing what? Well, and someone, someone, uh, I think it was today, actually said, you know, maybe more community policing, more community involvement, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I don't know how often you see police officers driving through your neighborhood. Very rarely it's do I really see it out by my, by my place. I think they're probably more, uh, you know, focused more, you know, inside the ring as yeah. far as, you know, the handy goes and that sort of stuff. But I rarely see them. That's what I mean. Like, I don't want more police officers, uh, you know, issuing tickets for... Mm-hmm parking. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I yeah, that's one example. Would I like to see a patrol in my neighborhood from time to time? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's a deterrent all by itself. Do you want itself. a community policing station built uh, closer to you? What about we fire We had department? one and they got rid of yeah. it. Yeah, what about the fire department? What about having a, yeah. a a fire station close to you? Well, now you have one close to you. I do, yeah. Um yeah. Out West End, deep West End, that's a bit of a drive. Do you ever, yeah, well, no, I was going to say, do you ever feel, well, I will, do you ever feel like it really doesn't matter what they're promising anyways because the plan's already in place? Mm-hmm. Like the big projects, the big infrastructure, the big plans for the city are already in place. This current council is living with plans mm-hmm. from previous councils. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I, I circle back to, okay, so you're probably not going to renegotiate the deal for the arena and you're probably not going <laughs> to stop the LRT expansion and there's quite likely we'll always have potholes. So again, 
again, I would support a candidate who specifically said, this is what I want to do mm-hmm. in your neighborhood mm-hmm. that I think impacts you on a daily basis. And maybe it's just an extra turn lane. Or maybe it's a, instead of a, a stop sign, you put an, a red light, you know, traffic control light there. Or just something where they said specifically that this is what I will do for your neighborhood. The same as I say, the only time I've ever reached out to a counselor is for something very mundane. I never phoned my counselor and said, I'd like to bring a halt to this uh, this arena deal. I phoned and said, uh, my you know, my mother-in-law can't get, get out of the sh- house. Get out of the house because of the snowbank. It's two forty-six. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, want to touch on this? Um, you probably have heard about it. Um, Former Edmonton Eskimo, his home targeted. Someone spray-painted the letters KKK on the garage door last week. It's disgusting. We'll touch on that right after this. So this is what happened um, in the Inglewood neighborhood uh, last Thursday night. Craig Ellis, who is a retired all-star CFL and NFL running back, played for the Edmonton Eskimos, and he settled in Edmonton more than uh, two decades ago. He went out on his garage, saw... KKK spray painted there. Yeah, black spray paint on a white garage door. It's just disgusting. It is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And I'm just, this stuff makes me furious. Do you want to say it's kids, right? Do you want to say it's some idiotic kid? But it might not be. And, and, you know, the family has every right to be upset about it. Mm-hmm. Every right to be upset about it, of course. And they I know they've notified police, but they really don't want to take it much farther than that, I don't think. Jasmine uh, Curie was on with uh, Ryan on his show this morning. She said, you know, they're just shocked. I think it was more than that. I just have never experienced something this in my, like, this in my entire life. So um, when my dad told me, I walked outside and I looked and it was almost like my whole entire soul was like on that driveway and people were passing and I felt like everyone could see me and they were judging me and it was embarrassing and sad and I was scared. But uh, yeah, so it's been a whirlwind of a weekend. That is Jasmine Curry, Craig Ellis's uh, daughter. So the good news here is that uh, the neighborhood rallied the troops, the uh, the KKK scrubbed off, and the family, you know, feeling obviously good about that, that yeah, they have that they're support. They're feeling support in their they neighborhood. Feel support, but, you know, over the weekend, Jasmine was saying, you know, she's there, she's nervous at being at the house. Dad was away, went down to see the Cowboys game on the weekend, was nervous about being there. Who may show up again? What may happen? She says you not really ever had to deal with this before. You know, and it wasn't random. A black man lives there and somebody spray painted KKK yep. on the door. So I can, as a family, I can see where you would be very concerned, very legitimately so that, you know, not random. They targeted that house. They targeted it for a reason. It was a racist reason. Mm-hmm. And so regardless, and it's great that the neighborhood supported them, but regardless, that's an act of, that's a hate crime. Yeah. Jasmine said, you know, she just keeps wondering how, how does this happen? She says it's 2017. I sit there with my dad all the time and we're like watching the news and it's crazy. And he'd never thought that I would be experiencing the same things that he had to go through growing up in the States in California and then marrying a white woman from St. Albert and, you know, being in a multi-race family. It's just, this isn't supposed to be happening in 2017. And that's why I decided to share it and speak up. So my dad actually, when he told me, he wasn't even really phased by it. He um, was heading out to Phoenix. He went to Phoenix this weekend to watch the Cowboys play. And um, I think it's just he's used to it. And, like, that's wrong. 
and that's horrible. And when he was telling me, it was like I was having this new reaction where like I'd never been on that same level with my dad or been able to like really attach myself to those feelings. So yeah, um, I mean, he gets home today, so I'm sure he's going to come in and he's going to see all of this media storm and maybe be, a, you know, a little bit self-conscious because I think he's a quiet guy and he's liked by many and everyone in the community knows him and he's got a great reputation here and he loves the city. So, yeah, it's just really unfortunate. Really unfortunate. It's hard to understand what motivates somebody to do that, first of all, right? Hate. Sure, Ignorance. But, it, but it's hard to you know, sort of wrap your head around mm-hmm. what made you think that was the best mm-hmm. use of your time tonight was to get a spray can, go to this guy's house and paint KKK. But I think it's harder for somebody like myself to wrap their head around what racism mm-hmm. feels like mm-hmm. because we've never, ever, ever had to experience it. And if you've even had a glimpse of it, just a glimpse of it, and I have one time, I overheard a group of 10 uh, native guys talking about comedy and they were trying to remember the name of a comedian and I knew who they were talking about. It was Don Bernstick and I stood up and I went, hey guys, couldn't help it over here. I think the comedian's name is uh, Don Bernstick. And one of the guys, everybody just glared at me and one of the guys said to me, we weren't talking to you. And I, I just thought, well, I was trying to help you. Uh, you know, like I just mm-hmm. thought it was weird. I told a native friend of mine and he said, Oh, now you know what uh, racism sounds like. I wasn't racist. Like. He, they're saying that they didn't want me as part of their conversation because that was a table of a specific group talking about a specific indigenous performer, and they didn't need Whitey to come tell them who the performer was. 2.55 on the 6.30 Chat Afternoon News. Right around 4.20, we'll give you the word of the day, your chance to win your way onto that winter getaway with me and Andrew, and we head to Mexico in January. You don't want to miss that. Plus, Miranda Lam- Lambert tickets, uh, She's coming to town playing the Coliseum here uh, the beginning of October. All of that, and Eileen has the news headlines right now. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.